Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So while I was reading through the passage for this morning, um, it dawned on me that what we have here in this part at the end of 1 John chapter 5, or at the end of 1 John here in chapter 5, is basically a synopsis. But it's not just a synopsis of 1 John, of this sermon or letter or whatever um, you call it. Not just a, a synopsis that is tying together all of the parts of uh, this essay, maybe. Um, looking back to, to the beginning, to the main idea that's been presented, giving us one more chance to, to hear and internalize the message that First John gives us. Um, it gives us a little more. It gives us a synopsis of really all of the theology that the author holds true, everything he believes. It's the stuff that uh, bi biblical scholars call uh, Johannine theology. Johannine theology because it comes from the writings of John. Johann being John in German because most theological names are given German names for some reason. But right here in this passage, in verse 11, we find... Um, Here's part of this verse. It's the second half of 1 John 5, 11. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in God's Son. That is the short form of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. It sounds familiar, right? The summary of our faith is really what we have here in 1 John 5. It's a summary of everything we believe. This whole passage draws us back to John's gospel. Um, this letter draws us back into the witness we have of Jesus' life in John's gospel. You think about uh, here in, in chapter 5, verse 13, we read, the author stated, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It sounds an awful lot to me, and I had to go back and find it, but it sounded an awful lot like some things in John's gospel. So take John 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Or consider John 21, verses 24 and 25. This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and has written them. And we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That sounds an awful lot like, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may have eternal life. We get a reminder again of why this letter this sermon has been given, why it was important enough to write down these things to tell people, to talk for chapters about God's love, about being God's children, about what it means to live out God's love, to, to have our love for others reflect God's love for us and for them and 
and our love for God to be reflected in how we live every day. The whole part, the whole reason for this last part of of 1 John is to help us understand what it means to bear witness, to testify, to see the evidence, to, to hear John, uh, 1 John's testimony, the Gospel of John's testimony, to know and to boldly confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Yet the question presented in this passage floats right under the surface for us. In whom do we believe? How do we know? How do we know someone's testimony is true? Well, the short answer is believe God's own testimony. The longer answer is a little bit more complicated. It's we know that God's testimony about Jesus, Jesus is true because, first John says, we feel it within ourselves. We know it's true because we have the witness, the, the testimony of others who know Jesus. We have We have these words that we heard in the scripture this morning of someone who knew Jesus, who loved Jesus, who was loved by Jesus, who witnessed miracles, who maybe received miracles, someone who watched the crucifixion happen, who who saw the resurrection, a firsthand account of Jesus. We also have the witness of those whose lives have been changed by Jesus, people who, who have been transformed, who've been encouraged and uplifted and strengthened, who've received life through his name. And so this passage presents us with a choice. Will we or will we not believe the testimony that God has testified concerning his son, Jesus Christ? If you need help believing or understanding that testimony, First John says, look no further than Jesus. Jesus was born a human He lived among us, he taught, he healed, he died, and rose from the dead. The best witness that Jesus is God's son, is the Messiah, the Christ, is Jesus. So if you're looking for a witness, see what God has already done. But then the question is, how can we know that Jesus is indeed the son of God? How do we know these stories How do we know these stories that that we read are true, that we study so intently, that that we retell over and over across the generations? How do we know that the bold claims that have been made by the disciples, by Paul and the other letter writers, by the saints through the ages, how do we know that those claims are true and are worth believing? Well, I think that there's no better evidence of their truth than, than to look at the ways those claims have been borne out in our lives, in, in the community of faith, in the words and the lives of those who have seen Jesus, seen him face to face or seen him in others, those who have received the testimony of the Holy Spirit, who have received the waters of baptism, who have seen the blood shed on our behalf, this truth about who Jesus is, is in all of us. All of us who are called God's children, who have received life, who have received life in and through Jesus, abundant and eternal life. And this is the testimony, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. See, we ourselves bear witness to the truth about Jesus 
Our lives today, tomorrow, and for eternity testify to the truth about Jesus. It is important to note, uh, to understand, however, that that these words in 1 John aren't intended for anyone outside of the church. This is, these are words written for Christians, for the faithful. The author wasn't trying to, to persuade anyone to believe in Jesus. He, was, he wasn't trying to, to give any more information that might be the thing someone needs to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He was writing to believers, talking to believers trying to encourage them, us, with the knowledge that we already possess, the knowledge that, of the gift that God has given us, grace, forgiveness, everlasting life. This is because of God's grace that we receive through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, the promise of the resurrection, all of these things that we know Jesus came to give. And so the author is saying, remember those things, those things you believe in, Remember why you believe in them? But then the question still remained in their minds, which is why he had to encourage them and, and offer these words. So they were, it's apparent to me that they were wondering, you know, how, how do we know that we've received this promise? How do we know that we have eternal life? Other than, than just seeing the promises given to us in Scripture, how do we know that we've received that gift? And so First John says, well, the answer to that question is, in you. Whether you know it or not, you've already experienced the gift of eternal life. So if you're wondering if you've received it, say know that you already have it. See, for the author of, of 1 John, eternal life isn't the same as life after death. Eternal life and life after death, we, we often think those are the same. We use them as, as synonyms most of the time. But for the author of 1 John, Life after death is a part of eternal life, but it's not the whole story. The whole story is even greater. See, both the Gospel of John and, and 1 John understand eternal life to be a present reality in you today and the future promise of life with God in the resurrection. Life, the word life, as we read it in these books, these parts of the Bible, the Greek is, is zoe, it has within it uh, a connotation of a quality of life that not even death can destroy. It, it's, it's the fullness of life. It's real, genuine, active life, even life, or especially life devoted to God. Life now and life after death. It's eternal in a different sense than we might think. It's, it's not eternal because, it's not eternal only because it exists after death. It's eternal because it starts now and lasts forever. So you might ask, how do we even know that we have this eternal life? Well, again, First John tells us at, at some various places in the letter how we might know. They're all in chapter 3. We know that we have eternal life by our love for one another. That's, that's three chapter 3, verse 14, by laying down our life for one another, that's 3.16, by sharing the world's goods with those who are in need, that's 3.17, and, and by our obedience to Jesus' commandment to believe in, in his name and to love one another, that's 3.23. All of these signs of, of God's love help us to know that we have already found eternal life through Jesus. 
Now, I, I could um, sit here and point out or convey to you, offer to you some, you know, deep, profound theological argument to, to say why you should believe this. I could, I could sit here and try to find the right words to explain what, John, what 1 John is saying in just the right way. I could try to stick to the words that we find in 1 John or, you know, all sorts of other places in the Bible that tell us about eternal life. But, but honestly, the best evidence for eternal life is already in you, you individually and you as the community of faith, the family of God, those who follow Jesus, who live and love as he did. The best evidence for eternal life, the, the best testimony that I can offer short of the very witness that God has given us in Jesus is testimony that you have given to me. We find eternal life, that, that quality of life that mirrors God's love when we care for one another. I've already had a few conversations this morning with people relating to me they're caring for one another, making sure that others in this family of God have life, have received love. It's when you provide comfort and compassion, when, when, when you gather together to lift one another up in times of need, that's a marker of eternal life, abundant life in the name of God right now. We find eternal life in, in the stories that we share of those who have guided us in faith. You know, when I drive here to the church every day and I pull into the parking lot and I see all of these trees, it makes me think of all of the stories of Dwight that y'all have shared with me, all the way he's touched your life. When, when, I, when I see the steeple out there, I, I remember hearing stories of, I hope my memory is right, but I think it was Rowan who... Rowan Hoffner, who wanted that steeple and made it happen. And the way that his life and Nancy's has touched, has touched your lives. When we're in the sanctuary and I look up at that ceiling, I remember all the stories that you've told me of people getting together and, and putting it up and finishing it and the joy that you shared together, the, the stories of people who, people's lives that were changed by those who were present. Or when I walk into the kitchen over here and I see the little placard of Rosie, and then I remember the stories you've shared of her life that has changed your life. All of those experiences, I didn't have any of those, but you've told me of them. You've told me of the way that you've been changed by God, probably without even knowing that God was changing you through people who you loved and who loved you, people whose life was abundant and now it lasts forever. When we think about God's love, which is the, the whole central focus of 1 John, God's love, when we think about God's love, when we think about life, we should remember that because God loves you, Eternal life has already taken root in you. We need look no further than this community gathered here in this place today to understand the scale of God's love, to understand the fullness of life, life in God. So I, I have some homework for you today. I haven't given you homework in a long time, so I don't want to hear any complaining and this isn't too difficult. Your homework. 
What does eternal life look like from where you sit? Where have you seen God's love made real in your life or in the life of people around you? Where do you find generosity and self-sacrifice? Where do you find kindness and compassion? When you think about those things, you're thinking about eternal life through Jesus. And then where does your life testify to God's love? Like the scripture said this morning, if we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. So of all of the stories that you can think of where you see God's love, where you know life in Jesus, if you've received that testimony, if you can share that testimony, how much greater is God's own testimony? Life in Jesus, who came to live and die and rise from the dead, simply so that you might know life. Amen.